Omega Tau. Science and Engineering in your headphones. Hello, welcome everybody to this new episode of Omega Tau. Now, first up, uh, excuse my voice. I've got a, a cold and it somehow affected my, my vocal cords. In fact, I was uh, scheduled to record three episodes this week and I did one of them and I canceled the other two. So uh, doing a podcast and other audio stuff with a voice that doesn't work is really not a very good combination. All right, so this episode is about gravity storage. It's basically a pumped hydro power station without the hydro, and you'll you'll understand the details in a moment. Um, this episode is very interesting because of two reasons. One is that it's a very nice fit with our energy and electrical grid if you will, series, because uh, storage of electrical power is getting more and more important, the more decentralized and distributed power generation becomes. Um, but the other perspective is um, more generally the innovation process. How do you go from an idea to something that uh, is, is viable as, as a product? And um, our guest talks quite a bit about the challenges in, in this respect and how he, he went about this. Our guest is uh, Eduard Heindl. Um, he is a professor at the Fachhochschule Fortwangen in Germany. And uh, obviously he's German. I'm German too. So we could have recorded this in German, but we decided to do it in English because obviously, uh, as you'll also learn during this episode, he has quite an international focus with his project. And so he in particular, but also myself, we thought it would be make more sense to have a wider audience there. Before we get started with this, um, I should mention that there will be a listener meetup in Vienna, in Wien, on January 14. So if you live um, near Vienna or in Vienna, ping me, send me email or the usual channels so we can uh, basically hook you up, uh, planning to meet in the evening for the usual listener meetup ceremony, meaning uh, meet, drink, eat and talk, basically. All right, um, what else is there to say? We're also working on a listener meetup in Karlsruhe, Germany, probably on January 28th, but that's not yet uh, finally decided. But you can still, um, assuming it's going to work out, just uh, ping me as well. And if you will register so we can let you know where and when exactly it will happen. All right, I think that's it. Let's get started with Eduard's introduction. Yeah, hello, I'm Eduard Heindl. I'm a physicist. I did my PhD in Tübingen. But before that, I already did a diploma in engineering in South Germany, and I worked a little bit for Siemens. And today I'm at the Fachhochschule or University of Futwangen. That is a technical department and parallel to this, I started about four companies. And the last and most interesting for this is Heindel Energy, where we try to build large-scale storage systems. For energy, I was going to say for electrical energy, but the storage, of course, is not in the form of electricity. Yes, so it uh, stores electricity, but uh, the, we convert the energy into potential energy in the gravitational field. 
But that is always a discussion about what is really stored. Uh, finally, it is always converted into some chemical, yeah. mechanical or whatever. Yeah, even batteries, which are typically considered like electrical storage, are yeah. of course usually chemistry. Yeah. So if there are only two real storage systems, electric storage systems, are superconducting magnets. Mm -hmm. They are in some way um, directly is within the Maxwell equations, yeah. <laughs> the electrical storage. And... Uh, um, capacities right, of yeah. capacities yeah. yeah most of them uh, some of them have also some more or less chemical activity in there uh, if there's a uh, very high capacity mm -hmm. the, the, the the epsilon whatever it is that yes, goes in between yes. the two so the epsilon plates. okay and exactly yeah. that can be managed yeah. and yeah. <laughs> in some way it is not really exactly what you do in the Maxwell equations yeah 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 all right so so <laughs> it's funny how you explained what you are doing like a storing energy in the form of potential energy in the gravitational field another maybe somewhat simpler sounding way is you, you lift something up with pumps and then when it falls back down it produces electrical energy again yeah yeah so <laughs> exactly we lift something up that is by the way one of the oldest ways to store energy yeah. at all because it was used for clocks um, mm -hmm. in history maybe uh, 800 years ago it started this technology And um, if we look in detail, we see that the old way is not really uh, visible for large-scale storage. But there are new ways, and one way around is what I will talk about. Yeah. So, But let's first um, chat a bit about the need for large-scale energy storage in the grid, right? That's Because that's the motivation for all of this. Yes. So today we see a new change in the grid that is renewable energy but it should be mentioned that uh, storage in the grid is as old as electricity in the grid or just as old um, because uh, most of the power stations in the old-fashioned way like coal power or nuclear power uh, try to be on a constant production level uh, that is uh, preferable for the efficiency of these power plants And because it is very expensive to start a coal power plant, you have yeah. to pay 50,000 euro to start only one time. Um, so you had to manage that the constant production matches to the not so constant demand. Mm -hmm. And the demand is usually during daytime, uh, evening hours, and it is very low during night hours. So there have been already a lot of ideas how to have workarounds and Some may mention their thermal storage systems at home. It's called night storage yeah. in many houses. And it is the largest storage system we have in Germany, by yeah. the way. <laughs> and Nachtspeicher. Yes, it is, right. it's yeah. amazing. It's in, in, in up to terawatt hours you can store mm. there. And um, But it is not storing really electricity because you convert it to thermal uh, energy, yeah. what is not preferable. And uh, in this time, the also came a big uh, technology that is pumped hydro storage where you pump water up the hill and release the water through turbines during demand time. Typically in the old days was uh, high noon when all women started to cook the yeah. meal for her husband. Today that has really changed. Um, the real peak is in the evening hour when all people come home and start for air condition and stuff. Yeah. stuff. yeah. Why is thermal storage not preferable? Um, thermal storage is um, changing the quality of energy. So we have 
mechanical energy and with thermal energy. And to convert thermal energy back to um, electrical energy, you lose a lot of energy. The efficiency is low. So starting, for example, with one uh, coal or with one amount of burning fuel yeah. in, a, in a gas power, that would heat the room quite nice. But if you start to convert this gas into thermal energy, produce electricity, and then bring this electricity into a room, you lose about 60%. Mm -hmm. okay. And so that is not a smart way. It is a way if you have waste energy, because during right. night, if you have nuclear power and you nobody will ask for that, then you don't care about the price. and the Yeah, same thing with... Um electrical power plants which as a waste product produce heat which is then used yes. to uh, heat houses in the yeah. local and environment and this is this so-called waste heat would be yeah. is, is a really nice way to uh, heat houses because yeah. the heat is already here there is no conversion back to electrical energy yeah, exactly yeah. so we have really to understand there are two worlds that is of this thermal energy world and yeah. there's this electrical energy world mm -hmm. and the electric energy is a poor energy you really can convert it Theoretically, 100% into mechanical yeah. or 100% in some other chemical energy. But if you have thermal energy, you have uh, some rules from Carnot that tell you yeah. you have no real chance to come back to right. the original energy. Yeah, right. Um, why do renewable energies and or the decentralization of the grid, why do they increase the need for storage? You just pointed out that in the old days, you also needed storage because the power plants were trying to be on the same <laughs> production level yeah. all the time. Yeah, so now we have a real uh, new type of storage demand. And that is because now we have two not matching mm -hmm. points. The one is for demand line and the other is for production line. And the production of renewables um, comes we talk about wind energy and solar yeah. energy. That should be mentioned because yeah. uh, geothermal and other things are much more regular. Yeah. Um, if you talk about wind and solar, and that is a real big things coming today into the energy market yeah. uh, due to price reasons and others, they are fluctuating. So we call usually it's fluctuating renewable energy. Mm -hmm. And if we go in detail, there is a big difference between solar energy and wind energy. The solar energy is very nice because sun arises every day. Yeah. More or less. There are sometimes cloudy days, but we can bet on that it comes in the next 12 hours. Also depends a bit where you put the panels, right? If you put them into a desert, it's really every day. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So you have areas in the world where you can yeah. really have 360 cycles a year. Yeah. Uh, maybe even in Atacam, just that you have five cloudy days. But yeah. uh, you have a really very precise prediction of that, and you can predict, of course, the clouds. If you are going into the wind business, the situation is much different because, first of all, there are different weather systems in our Earth and in the north where we are living. We have this depressions, and they are coming and bringing the cold weather and the wind and the rain every week, more or less, yeah. at weekend. And so we have only once a week or even once two week really a windy situation. And that is, beside that, it is also hard predictable and it is sometimes over long time periods not here. There is calm periods over four to eight weeks. Yeah. And that is very difficult for manage with a storage system. Yeah. 
it's also much more local, right? Wind isn't necessarily um, at the same place at the same time, whereas the sun like comes up every day. Yeah, so the sun, of course, is also <laughs> a local event that runs around for Earth. Oh, yeah, yeah, but, but, uh, <laughs> but it's the same every day. Yeah, but um, wind is um, usually the large wind fields are have a correlation of a thousand kilometers, so are quite huge. Okay. And so if you are running over Europe, for example, you know they are starting in Ireland and uh, 24 hours later they may mm. arrive in Poland and wherever. So these wind fields are in some way predictable, but sometimes there are is high pressure and there is just no wind and then it's difficult. Yep. It should be mentioned that in some areas of the world it's completely different. You are at a coastline between a desert yeah. and a um, an ocean, then you have every day two cycles of wind. Yep. That's a completely different situation. Yep. It's not comparable to physical. Yeah, that's a local situation. system as a consequence mostly yep. of different uh, warm heat capacity of water and land, right? Exactly. So, so yeah. that isn't dependent on weather systems so that much. That is, um, and so for storage, that makes a big difference. Yeah. And whenever you build storage, you won't have a lot of cycles for storing. Every cycle is brings you back some money and yeah. so solar cycle is perfect mm -hmm. um, wind cycles are mostly not that nice because we don't have 300 cycles we may have 50 cycles a year and so mm -hmm. with the same invest you lose really money so you, what you're saying is in terms of the business model you're not paid for the activity of storing you're paid for the activity of consuming something and taking it out of the network and then bringing it back. Yeah, we talk about an arbitrage business. That means you buy cheap and you sell high. Yeah. So you buy cheap solar energy during high noon when you have a lot of uh, sun and during night or during evening you sell that to a higher price. It's really interesting because um, in some sense it, it means that nobody actually pays for storage. Right, you, you rely on the fact that there is this arbitrage in price, um, and that leads to the fact that the length for which you store isn't necessarily priced in, although that's important. Absolutely, that is a big problem, and so um, especially in the regulation offices in Germany, they don't know about this thing of storage. They only say someone is a consumer yeah, exactly. of energy, or yeah. he is a producer of energy. But there is, in, a in some theoretical sense, no really storage at all. Yeah. That's interesting because, as you just pointed out, um, there has always been and there will be more need for storage. So you would think that the, the, the people who make the, you know, the whole system run realize that and kind of are willing to price that accordingly. Yeah, so, so what, what people, um, actually what we see is people are willing to take a higher price or if they have a high demand, for example, yeah. in the evening hours when you want to have your AC air condition or cooking, you yeah. accept that you pay maybe five times more than you pay at a different time when you just don't need the energy. Yeah. Right. Is the is the nature of storage also changing? Like, I don't know, back in the day you stored, I don't know, uh, huge amounts of energy for half a day because it's like this cycle and now you have to be able to store i don't know smaller amounts because of fluctuating or bigger amounts because you have weeks without wind or how, how does this change somehow uh, that's a very interesting question because um in the historically the um, large-scale pumped hydro storages especially in europe or in germany were usually built to 
keep up with nuclear power plants. Mm. And so the most critical point in a nuclear power plant is you have a shutdown, a fast shutdown, and then you lose about one gigawatt of power. And you have to compensate with some system in the grid for this yeah. uh, loss of power. And so you immediately uh, switch on your pumped hydro. Yeah. And then you need about eight hours to run an, a coal, to fire a coal power plant. That's about eight hours. And mm -hmm. so all these standard storage systems have one gigawatt connection and for about for eight, hours. eight hours water. Yeah. So like Goldestal or other storage systems. Yeah, okay. That is uh, one typical case. Mm -hmm. There is a completely different case that's in Norway. In Norway, what the people do, they have during wintertime a lot of snow and the snow is melting and the snow is kept on the high mountain mm -hmm. by dams and they store the whole energy for the mm -hmm. um, next wintertime during summertime. So it is uh, one cycle a year. Mm -hmm. And they can store an incredible amount of 80 terawatt hours of energy yeah. that is sufficient for the whole country. So you can run the whole country on <laughs> electricity wow. by this uh, incredible storage system. Mm -hmm. So these are the two main shapes we see uh, till, say, 2000. Yeah. And now new types of storage are coming in. The, the first one was uh, compressed air. Compressed air is a quite interesting thing because you can pressurize air in large underground caverns. Mm -hmm. And because these caverns are cheap, because this is a salt dome yep. where you already have them for some reason. They exist anyway. They exist anyway. That's always helpful if you have something that already exists. Yeah. And when you pressurize the air in there, and when you have to buy energy, a surplus energy, you pressurize this air. Yeah. And then when you have demand, you release the energy by running the air over a turbine and yeah. you have energy back. Sounds great. It had a big drawback because, you know, if you compress air and then you release it, you get heat yeah. by the compression process. And so you lose about 60% of the energy. Mm -hmm. And so it has just no business case because you need about situations where you have at least three times higher prices that you can compensate for this loss and so there are only more or less two cases in the world where it was really done in an industrial scale in Germany and US uh, so there is research to do this in a better way that you say okay we can save this heat in some way yeah, yeah, we yeah. bring this through bricks and heat for bricks and then we bring it down there and this is possible you can go up with your efficiency to 70% or 80 uh, maybe 70 is um, fair value but um, the technology gets complex you have now two systems yeah. to store and yeah. when you then you have to manage all these diff details and that ends up in a so high price that you don't see a real market value for that mm -hmm. then other way is you have um, a short-term problem in the grid if you have renewables like wind and there is coming um, a wind guest very fast, then you ramp up your windmills uh, within five to ten minutes. Mm -hmm. And that's usually bad for the grid. You want to have smooth yeah. change. And so in this case, sometimes batteries come in. Batteries are able to give you energy just in the moment you ask for, yeah. within milliseconds. Um, and so you can 
um, smooth this ramping. In the ramping up phase, you will put some part of it into the battery, uh, store some of the battery, and in the ramping down phase, it's also yeah. as fast. Um, you store, restore, you inject the energy into the grid again. And the storage capacity may be only half an hour or an hour. So it is not really shifting energy from one time of other to the day, yeah, but it is releasing this steep yeah. change into Smoothing the deltas. Smoothing yeah. the deltas. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. two different cases. Um, the same is, of course, true with solar. Not especially in Germany because Germany has a very widespread solar system because every rooftop yeah. has a solar. But if you have a large PV sites within maybe a square kilometer and then you have clouds, then the complete site can shut down within a few minutes. Yeah. And that is, of course, not nice if you lose a yeah. gigawatt of solar. What about this idea that we don't need centralized storage in the future because everybody has their Tesla at home and the Tesla battery serves as a storage? So um, it's a question of pricing. There is a very interesting thing about decentralized energy. Today, we have the large centralized coal and nuclear and other plants. The reason is because that makes economic sense. Yeah. Um, if you want to catch solar energy, you need like in agriculture, large areas to collect the energy. Yep. And so, because large areas are usually, by definition, spread around, it makes sense to have this spread collecting system. So the same as with wind power. You can't put a wind power with a gigawatt in one place. You have yeah. to distribute that over yeah. uh, hundreds of square miles. And that results in distributed. Yeah. And now the question is, What's about the storage? Is there any reason to have that also distributed? No, that is not the case. Because in between the collecting of this natural resource and the consumer, you have always a grid. And so the question is, where in the grid do you want to put the storage system? So you can put it nearby the production. You can put it in some place where it's suitable. Mm. For example, a pumped hydro is available. Or you can put it directly to the consumer. There is basically not a real reason to put it in some of the places. Mm -hmm. There are then secondary reasons. For example, it is preferable to put it near to the production because then you have lower lose in the grid a little bit. That helps. And there are reasons to put that at home because people want to have a feeling of being in some way out of Mm. But that is more or less a feeling because I have never seen a people who uh, really cut the grid connection. Yeah, I mean, there's, I think there is two different motivations, right? One is these slightly crazy people who want to be able to survive when everything crashes. Okay, yeah. that's, a, that's like that's one reason yeah. for you know this this feeling for autonomy. But the other one is that I think there is a trend in general to more uh, locality. A little bit as a counter trend to globalization, where you have more local, like, you know, agriculture, you avoid the transport, you know, more local energy, you maybe avoid some of the storage and, and, and or at least transport costs. Um, I, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, how at, realistic at, at, it is. at the button line, at the button line, usually it's a question about the price. If you have, you can store at home and 
if you don't care if your kilowatt hour of storage is uh, energy is 50 cents then it's well, okay i mean the argument is that you have your storage anywhere in your tesla That is true. But that's very interesting thing about the Tesla. I, I mean, mean, meaning uh, as, yeah, yeah, a, as a word uh, for uh, electric I'll, car. Okay. <laughs> I drive one, of course. Ah, okay. So <laughs> I, I have some experience now about three years of yeah. uh, usage. Um, the thing is, and there have been scientific research about the storage demand for electrical vehicles. Yeah. And interestingly, if you do all of a calculation, you see there is no special demand to power them uh, with uh, additional storage systems because people come home at the evening so they all plug in their cars and so the grid would uh, really be in trouble uh, collapse but actually that doesn't happen because the cars can be slowly charged during times when it's yeah. best and so in the future we have to manage that that the cars are mm -hmm. always charged in the moment when it's best for the grid mm -hmm. so that releases some of the problems smart grid A smart grid, yes, yeah. of course, a smart grid. But um, on the other hand, you have the problem that some people really want to charge fast, a supercharger, and so you have to deliver peaks of energy sometimes. And so it balances out, and at the bottom line, electrical cars are not for storage, but they don't also don't need new storage systems in the grid. Mm -hmm. They are balancing their own problem. Okay, mm -hmm. okay. One last question before we move on to gravity storage. Um, I, to what degree can um, storage be avoided by low resistance, long range transport like HGU, you know, yeah. high voltage, whatever the German yeah. word is? So, so, if we would have a perfect grid, high voltage transmission, uh, a DC transmission, yeah. then If we would have that, uh, we don't need storage at all. That is definitely the case. There is a, in, in scientific studies, we usually talk about a copper plate. So mm -hmm, the yeah. whole continent is a copper plate. So yeah. energy is always where you want to bring it. Yeah. As long and as the overall balance yeah. is high. Uh, yeah. So works. you have a, a copper yeah. plate situation yeah. and yeah. then you ask where are sources, where are consumers, and yeah. then you don't need storage. So there have been interesting calculations. So... For example, if you put a copper plate on Germany and then you ask about the storage demand, um, you end up with about seven days of storage. You need a storage system for seven days. To, to, to semantically emulate the copper plate. Uh, no, if, uh, oh, if you don't have no, that. If you, if, you, if you don't have because of, if you have completely renewable energy. Yeah. Ah, okay, okay. And then we, we inject, for example, wind and, and solar and, And then we have one storage system there that would need seven days of uh, complete energy capacity, which is about 11 terawatt um, hours to be in the number. Yep. If you enlarge now the system to Europe from Portugal to Ukraine, uh, you need only one day of storage. Mm -hmm. So because now you have a levelizing because mm -hmm. somewhere in Portugal may be a wind guest and in Ukraine may be a foggy time, And so you can manage that. And so this was seven days, one day, and you, if you use the whole Earth, what is not really realistic, um, you would be, need no storage. So what you're saying is the bigger the area gets, and I guess the more diverse the context, the more copper plate-like the system becomes. Yeah, yeah, yes. And so if you make the system smaller, and the smallest case is your house, yeah, yeah, then yeah, you need a storage for half a year because yeah. 
in summer you collect the energy for the winter time. Yeah. So that is so there is a scaling effect, and so actually there's this the, the daily cycle problem, and then there's another problem, the north-south problem, mm -hmm. because in the south we have more solar, especially in winter time. In winter time, if you are beyond 45 or 50 degree north, you yeah. really are in trouble. So you have yeah. not enough sun. That doesn't work out. So you can go in, in southern areas and then you can have a south-north transport mm -hmm. to use the cheap uh, energy coming out from the PV cells. Today it's in desert areas, about two cents. Transport that to the north and then you store it or, or you use it in the yeah. north. That works out. Um, but you always have to calculate the price of the transport. Mm. So one gigawatt, 1,000 kilometer is about one billion cost of a rule of thumb. Usually. Investment cost. Investment cost. Yeah. Yes, FEND is running, of course. Yeah. And don't underestimate 1,000 kilometer of power line yeah, yeah. is about 100 square kilometer of space. Mm. And that might be available in the, in the middle of a desert, but yeah, yeah. not in areas with a lot of people and cities yeah, yeah. Uh, so you get troubles to build that and if you want to do it underground you run for trouble of um, that's really expensive yeah. you have about five times the price but it should be mentioned that actually in Asia there is a big supergrid plant there are supergrid ideas between North Africa and Europe or Middle East and there are supergrid ideas in the United States from um, from the Rocky Mountains to the dense populated areas in California or in um, East Coast. And so there will show up a lot of new grids. And it should be also mentioned that the Chinese have a plan to make a super grid around the North Pole. <laughs> that is, yes, and it was really pushed by the um, Ping, Mr. President Ping. He says we bring a line around the North Pole. It is... Um, Uh, not owned by anyone because that's water, uh, ocean water. You can do that. And you can bring lines to Europe, to US, to uh, and all who are in some way correlated to the North Pole. This idea exists and they are heavily discussed in these conferences about grid. Um, so grid is always reducing the storage demand. Yeah. And the interesting thing is storage reduces the grid demand. Storage? Yeah, of course, because you have to transport less. Yes, and especially if you, for example, if you have a, a power line from North Africa to Europe, yeah. um, the production of energy is only eight hours, more mm -hmm. or less. So this means your power line is only used mm -hmm. uh, 30%. Mm -hmm. If you put storage in North Africa and store the energy at that place, well, how, however you do that, and then you can use this power line 24 hours, releases the cost of a power line about ah. a factor of two. Uh -huh. So a, a, a smart combination mm -hmm. between mm -hmm. storage and power lines reduce the overall cost. Right, I see. That's a good point. It, it, yeah, interesting. I mean, both have the problem that they have uh, a certain efficiency factor, right? There is always resistance in both cases. You don't have 100% transport yeah. and you don't have 100% in and out of storage. Yeah, it's absolutely true. So um, one point is transport is amazingly efficient today, yeah. especially if for long of a distance <laughs> or by that. The, the only real um, problem is the conversion of AC power to DC yeah. power. So you lose about one, one and a half percent. And then you have to convert it back to AC. Mm -hmm. 
because most of the credit yeah. is AC. And so you lose at the bo both um, points where you convert about 3% together. In total, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, in total. And then you lose about another 3% per thousand, thousand kilometers. Mm -hmm. A little bit depending on the details of the technique, of yeah. course. Yeah, yeah. So that is not so much. That makes it absolutely visible to transport energy over 4,000 kilometers as China has shown from China to Kazakhstan there's a 4.5 thousand kilometer long DC grid line now. Mm -hmm. That works. Okay, you lose about 10% or 15% but that doesn't matter. The same is true for storage. Storage is never 100%. Um, also, batteries are not that efficient as for sound sometimes. Yeah. Um, usually we are in for 80% range. Mm -hmm. So pumping hydro has around 80. Yes, pumping hydro has around 80. Batteries, if they are grid connected, usually you have a DC-AC conversion. Yeah. AC-DC conversion, you have um, um, air condition because batteries want some special temperature. Mm. And you have to keep care that they're really in maybe 17 Celsius. Yeah. And otherwise you lose your guarantee and... Um, You have to care about that. And that makes it quite uh, a little bit expensive. You have additional systems. So I have seen battery, real large-scale battery systems shown in conferences with only 65% um, mm -hmm. <laughs> efficiency, round-trip yeah. efficiency. Yeah, yeah, okay. All right, so your idea. <laughs> <laughs> Now, one of the, as, as already told, the, the most uh, widely used storage um, should be mentioned about 98% in the grid is pumped hydro storage. 98, okay. Yeah. So wow. all the things we are usually talking about, batteries, it is, has no impact in the grid. It yeah, is okay. absolutely small. We have global, on a global scale, we have about 120 gigawatt uh, connected uh, pumped hydro. So to get an idea. Um, and... Uh, Uh, much more in uh, gigawatt hours, but something like 120, 130. So now the problem is with pumped hydro, you need at least two things. You need mountains yeah, and you need a lot of water. Yeah, maybe just very briefly to recap and, and, and people who speak German have probably heard my episode from the pumped hydro station Kaprun. So the point is you have a big uh, storage lake basin high up, you pump water up meaning you kind of convert electrical energy into potential energy and then when you need the energy you go through turbines back down so that's the that's the basic idea exactly exactly so we have these two needs and now we look where the photovoltaic is yeah the photovoltaic is usually in a desert right <laughs> so you don't have elevation and you don't have water yeah <laughs> so now you have to look for a solution in this area and um It is always a good idea to use what you already have. You have already these high-efficient water pumps. You have these high-efficient turbines, generators, and all that stuff mm -hmm. that's already here. So what can we do in this situation? And my idea is we cut out a large piston of a natural rock that is there. Cylinder. A cylinder. Um, actually, we need some rocky underground, but yeah. that is uh, in many cases available. We cut out a piston, maybe a 200 meter wide thing, a piston and a deep of maybe 300 meter, and then we seal all the system. And now we want to lift that piston. And the way to lift a hydraulic piston is by pumping a liquid, in this case, of course, water, because that's the most available. So you liquid. do need some water. We need some water, but uh, we need so much water as the, uh, the hydraulic system needs. So yeah, in yeah. your car, you have a 
hydraulic system, but you never mind about the price of this uh, hydraulic oil because you never exchange it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so it would be a closed system for <laughs> the water going in system. and out. It's yeah, a closed okay. system yeah. for the water. Yeah. That means you have to fill it once. That may be still a trouble in a very uh, dry area, but we did calculations. That's not that bad as it looks. And so you pump the water below this piston, lift the piston, maybe a hundred meter. And because this piston is out of rock, it is very heavy. And because it's a huge in size, a 200 meter diameter, 300 meter deep, it's in the range of 10 million tons of material. And then you store the energy by lifting this piston using this uh, pumps that are exactly the same type of pumps that yeah. are used in the pumped hydro. Why? Because the pressure is the same. We can design it for the same pressure. Um, it should be mentioned that every pumping system is very sensible to what pressure you actually have. And so you design your pumps relating to the pressure. Yeah. And so you are in the so-called sweet spot of efficiency. Yeah. Yeah. And so we, we pump the water below that with well-known machinery that you can buy more or less off the shelf because we're already here. And then store the energy not in the water that is lifted, but in this rock that is lifted. Mm -hmm. Then you lower the piston and the water is flowing through the turbine. That's actually the same equipment as yep. the pump. It is only in a reverse mode. Yep. And you generate energy. And the round trip efficiency is similar to pumped hydro. It's a little bit better than pumped hydro, by the way, because you have very short pipes. So you don't have the, the drag in the pipe, yeah, there is yeah, the, yes. the flow drag. Yeah, so called. you in, in yeah. some of these um, real uh, ways, you have about five kilometers of pipeline, and that usually has one, two, three percent of resistance um, related to the whole energy yeah. efficiency. Yeah. And another thing is that you can switch it very fast on and off. That's a little bit also different. Why? Uh, because if this long pipes, if the water is flowing, oh, these long pipes, yeah, okay. you are not allowed to stop them. You right. have to stop very slowly. You yes. get these uh, uh, peaks. Of yeah, you get these peaks. Running through yeah, the, yeah, yeah, pressure yeah. peaks, yeah. Um, as you had in yeah. your other episode. Yes, already. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That is not here because it is maybe only 50 or 100 meters, so it's neglectable. Yeah. You don't have to care about that. But the, the operation of such a system and its role in the grid would be more or less identical to a pumped hydro. It is uh, more or less, yes, exactly. For the, the, the management of this, yeah. you have uh, you shut down some yeah. valves, uh, open valves, closed valves, and you inject AC power. That is also a big yeah. interesting thing. We didn't mention that in the, the first part. If you have a renewable power system with photovoltaics you don't have spinning masses yep and but to control frequency you need yep. at best spinning masses and in a pumped hydro or in a gravity storage system you have a spinning, spinning masses, masses yeah. they can be if you put it in the right mode really enough to control the frequency yeah uh, very well so you mentioned about 200 meters, I don't know if you said diameter, diameter or diameter? radius, diameter, diameter okay, yes. and about 300 meters high. Yeah. Um, is, uh, is that then the amount of energy you can store? Is that comparable with a typical pumped hydro? Is yes. that how you got to the numbers? Yeah. Yes, exactly. That is uh, exactly the number. So so if to be precise, if you have 250 meters with 340 meters and 100 meter lift that are exactly this 8 gigawatt hours. Okay, I see. So 
but the very interesting thing is if you want to be smaller because you don't need a gigabyte you you need only one gigabyte hour yeah. you go down to 150 meters so the change is not quite huge and that is a very interesting thing in this system if you interpret it the other way around i mean yeah. you want to get bigger yeah so if i want to store more energy in the system i have to build it a little bit larger mm -hmm. because the fourth power of um, um radius that's a parameter of a system system radius It is uh, in in the circle. It's in both directions for radius. Yep. The height that is multiplied by a factor of two, and the lift itself is also um, part of this. So you have four different uh, parameters for R, and so you have a fourth power. That means doubling the system in shape, you have 16 times the storage capacity. Mm -hmm. And that is a very interesting thing, because if you ask, is it 16 times more expensive? Yeah. That's not the case because we cut out this piston from the underground and the surface is the second power of the yep. radius. Yeah, yeah. And so larger systems get fast uh, cheaper. Yeah. Right. That that's that's good. Often that, it's the other way around. That's very good. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> okay. Um so in some sense the difference to a pumped hydro station, right, is they pump They have relatively little mass because they only move the water, yes. but they move it across big delta heights. Whereas you have more mass you move, but yep. the delta in height is lower. Yes, yes. so we, we lift only 100 meter, yeah. but we have a real big mass. Uh, there are two reasons. One is that the rock itself, the density of rock is yep. around about three times higher than with water. Yeah. And uh, the shape is uh, more convenient because it is compact. If you have a dam and the riverbed and the valley behind that, the shape of this valley is more or less a Y shape. Yeah. And uh, so you have to cover a big area with water. Yeah. And that is, by the way, also a fourth power law with um, a dam, if you go in detail of hydro technology but um, it eats up a lot of valley space yeah and valleys are traditionally the place where people like to live and yeah. where cities are and so it's very difficult to find valleys you are allowed to flood today i mean more generally um, finding geographically suitable places for pumped hydro power plants and then also get them like you know, get the permission to build something there because of all kinds of uh, ecological and people concerns is almost impossible these days. It is, it is at least very difficult, yes. So um, Swiss did it in the last years. They built a pumped hydro. Um, in Norway, they are doing everything in underground, so you don't see too much yeah. about that, but um, it is uh, very expensive. In some, yeah, in, in every country today, you have the problems. Yeah. And in the desert, you end up that you don't have water for yeah. even thinking about. Yeah. It should be mentioned that in Dubai, there is now a new pumped hydro. They actually built a pumped hydro. And there is an, with a, a more or less small river in the direction of Oman. Mm -hmm. And there is a new pumped hydro in Chile where they pump water from the ocean up to the hill. Mm -hmm. um, and there, up there is a, a old salt lake and because mm -hmm. it's already a salt lake yeah. it doesn't care 
that you put salty water in there. Yeah. Yeah. Usually right, you care right. about that. Right, you can't yeah. Exactly. You you are usually not allowed to put uh, salt water yeah. or ocean water into yeah. seawater into yeah. the landscape. All right. So let's talk a little bit in more detail about about the gravity storage. I mean in some sense when I first saw that actually a while ago, I don't know, I googled you for some reason. Um upon first sight it looks rather crazy. Yeah, that's definitely the, the case. It looks crazy. <laughs> And I was awarded with the Querdenker Award in okay. Munich for this idea. And um, it should be mentioned, I invented this in 2010 and I did these calculations about this power law and uh, asked Professor Ruder, uh, do you think I did the calculations right? And he said, yeah, that sounds quite true. And that was the moment when I started to file a patent. And um, at the beginning, I had absolutely no idea if this really works out. And the first idea was to build a very large one with one kilometer diameter and some uh, crazy size. And I learned during that this doesn't work out. The point is there are some things you have to care about. The first thing is you have to care about the ceiling. And yep. the first five years I discussed that and offered that to others. Actually, we didn't have a ceiling at all. Uh, we had a ceiling, of course, but we learned that this ceiling won't work. Mm -hmm. um, they had a study at the University of Munich um, and they calculated all the details for the ceiling and we ended up that it's not working. <laughs> so we had to... So what was the idea back then to see? It, it was just um, um, a piece of metal that was pressured against the wall mm -hmm. and that could be... Uh, moved a little bit because the surface, of course, if it is 100 meter, is never perfect flat as this is in a typical mechanical system. And so the, this flap would pressure yeah. against the wall, but the forces on this flap would be so hard that the flaps itself would uh, collapse or the surface Uh, where it is moving would uh, be destroyed. What kind of pressures are we talking about? Uh, there? In these days, we talked about 200 bars. Okay. Uh, we have reduced that today to 70 bars. So this 8 gigawatt hour system is a 70 bar system. Yep. Um, and then the idea was to build a so-called rolling membrane. Mm -hmm. That means some material that covers the gap um, like yes, some membrane that rolls with the movement. Yeah. So I, when I read the term rolling membrane, what I thought was there is something. There was something like a a plant stem kind of round similar ah, yeah, thing yeah, yeah. that moves up and down. That's yeah. not what it is. That's right? not what it is. What what you do is you have essentially a. a, a Yeah, how do you how do you explain this without the picture? Maybe people should look at the picture at some point. <laughs> But it's um, hmm. it is it is an elastic material. Yeah, um, because it has to be round. Rubber. Yeah, yeah, and we we connect it on both sides. Yeah. So and then if we move it, the point um, where the water is is changing during the movement of the piston. Yeah. So the mem this. Um, Elastic material is moving up with whenever the piston is moving up, yeah. and there the gap is covered by this elastic material. Yeah. So the tricky point is that this elastic material has to be elastic, of course, yeah. and it has to keep the forces of the pressure. 
Yeah. So if you think about 70 bars and the gap, so we have a gap between the piston and the surrounding cylinder. Yeah. And that is uh, during due to construction restrictions at least two meter wide. Mm -hmm. So because you have to work in this area and yeah. with some machinery. Yeah. So and if it is two meter wide, you can calculate the um, forces, and then you end up with forces with 70 bars that are not capable by realistic amounts of steel cables in there and so on. So that was in, in really in the history of my idea for a point when I just thought that was it. It's done. Mm -hmm. It's mm -hmm. gone. It can't do it. Yeah, because, because of the material requirements for yeah, the seal. Yeah, yeah, we had the material requirement for the seal and we had the requirement at least two meter wide yeah. or better four meter wide gap between piston and um, cylinder. And then I had the interesting idea that we put a step inside that. That means the piston is not completely a cylinder. The cylinder is getting, after in the lower part, about two meters wider. And the cylinder from outside has also this step. Yep. And so at the starting, there's only a small place where the gap between piston and cylinder is 20 centimeter. Yep. But during lifting the system, this gap is closing by and by. And so in this small gap, that's about 20 centimeter, the membrane is running. Mm -hmm. And if you require some repair or whatever, you can lower the piston again and you have access to the whole system. Ah, yeah. mm -hmm. and so during operation, you have a gap of 20 centimeters. Exactly. And, but you can lower it to the point where you can then have yeah. for maintenance or whatever. Yes, two exactly. Meters. And yeah, that, okay. is, that was a really crucial step in the thinking. Mm -hmm. it, it sounds not so difficult to have a step in there, but um, you have to come to this idea. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Needed some... Some hard ideas are hard, hard to think. What, yeah. what? Because you have to imagine this three-dimensional situation and what is going on and lifting and on. And so, yeah, actually, finally we made it and um, we did, of course, a patent with that. And so now we have solved that problem. By the way, let, let me try one yeah. more analogy about this uh, uh, rolling ceiling. Mm, yeah. Um, if you... Th there are sometimes machines that, for example, cut stuff or drill yep. stuff, and yep. they can move around on a moving cart. Yeah. Yep. And they, of course, the moving part has to be supplied with energy and stuff. And so they there needs to be a cable that runs to the moving yep. cart. Yep. And what usually is done is that the cable is kind of lying on the ground, and as the cart moves, it, if you will, moves along above the cable and so the cable kind of curves up to the cart and this is essentially the two-dimensional equivalent of this In, inside, yes yes this, yes exactly this, yes yes it's exactly the same seal. the same principle same idea yeah, yeah the same idea so i don't know if if i explained that well uh, yeah, but, but at I, least it I was got a, the idea as an yeah, so it, you have in in linear movement yeah, systems yes. with a uh, power connection or whatever yes you have this rolling cable rolling that cable has also this uh switch uh, of a direction yeah and so yeah that's, that's a, the same that's idea the same the same idea yeah And actually, if you then think deeper, you, for example, the uh, pneumatic um, dampers of uh, trucks are a similar construction. Ah, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah they have uh, also, of, in this case, air, but there are also this damping systems that are larger than in a car, and yeah. they use 
also the same type of ceiling. Okay. It is quite small. It's only maybe 30 centimeters. That is a big advantage for us because now we have found companies who understand the technology. Right. You need uh, people who can test that and uh, do the calculations. And so there are some knowledge around and that is used by us. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So if we think about building something like that, then you have to, if you will, cut out this huge cylinder out of the ground, yep. 200 meters by 300 meters yep. cylinder. How do you do that? Yeah, so that is also a, a point where we had uh, changed over time many, many ideas. The very first idea was to cut that by a wire saw. Mm -hmm. um, what is a wire saw? It is more or less um, a wire of um, steel and you put some diamonds on it, actually not directly on the steel, on uh, aluminum capsule, and that is running through the stone and that is a well-known technology in cutting granite in the quarry where you want to build large blocks. But how do you get granite. the other end of the saw down to 300 meters you'd first drill yeah, a hole exactly we okay. can drill a hole and so you end up that is in this way it doesn't work out it's too large 300 mm -hmm. meters and so on so <clears> that was we have original ideas then we have gone into studies together with the mining companies what fair basic idea is always drill and blast you drill holes and yeah. you blast it away that's actually useful for mining because you want to collect the rock But we don't want to destroy the rock. Right. Well, I mean, the rock I from the gap you can destroy. For the rock from the gap you can destroy. But whenever you have an explosion, yeah. this explosion doesn't yeah. exactly end at your wall. It, <laughs> it goes uh, maybe 10 meters or whatever. Yeah. And so in mining, that's not a point because that's the next shift that has to do this part. <laughs> yeah. um, but in my case, uh, we want to be as careful as possible. It's But isn't that similar to tunnels? I mean, tunnels also don't want to yeah. destroy the whole outer wall yes, of the tunnel. Yes, exactly. If, uh, yeah, the tunnels are, have a nicer shape because they don't. They are not pistons. Um, True. And actually, they are also careful. But today, most of the tunnels are built with a full cutting machine, like Herrenknecht systems, yeah. where you try not to uh, have explosives because it is really yeah. explosives True. really True. destroy your rock. True. And so. We, we came up with half-cutting machines. That is also a way we can do it, but it's quite expensive. And H we have half-cutting half machine. machine is a machine that has a cutting wheel in front. Yeah. Like, and it's walking always left and right and ah, left right, right, and right. right. Mm. And, and it would like run up and down in your yeah, case. Yeah, yes, up and yeah. down. So it is used in, in mining also, also in tunnel. And, yeah. But the main idea now is to cut, um, one or two meters deep with a wire and then to cut the lower part by um, uh, the right way to put the drill boreholes. And what you can do with the boreholes is the following. You can have wide boreholes, about 30 centimeters, and you put wheels in there and the wire is going over the wheel, then over the rock, then over another wheel in the next hole, And then you make a so-called blind cut. You can cut mm -hmm. down with two holes and the wire is press, pressed against the rock and is moving and is cutting more or less a flat plane ah, mm -hmm. down about one or two meters. 
Mm -hmm. And so if you do that again and again and in the right uh, configuration, you end up finally with cutting out this gap between cylinder and piston. And this is about uh, three and a half meter wide or four meters, depending a little bit on details of other machines that are there. Yeah. The interesting thing, if we cut the rock, actually, cut granite rock has a value on the market. You ah. can move it out and you can sell it. Mm -hmm. Because whenever you go to an airport or a bank or whatever, yeah, you will yeah. walk on granite. Yeah. And this granite is done in quarries and they're usually not really cheap. And so we cut out um, thousands of tons and that's a significant part of uh, some income during the construction process. Yeah, okay. How long would it take to build then your projected um, device? Yeah, so that is um, the first thing it has to be done. Then you can say how long it needs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but projections, <laughs> we, I'm sure. We have projections and um, for, for basic projections about three years. Okay. So well, if you bad. know the speed of wire cuts, if you yeah. know how many teams you can put there, about 20 of them and yeah. uh, if you know how fast uh, different movements are and so on yeah. you can really calculate that and we did that in detail together with a company who does with wires okay um, because we have experience and actually i have flown to some places in the world where they cut large large areas of granite that is possible today with technology the The material is quite cheap and we should mention one point where the wire source the, the diamond wire source are so cheap is Diamonds have gone so cheap. Mm -hmm. Ten years ago, you had to pay five dollars for one carat of diamond. Don't tell that to your wife. And today, <laughs> industry you, diamond, <laughs> industry diamond. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Today, you pay 0.5 dollars per carat. Okay, and that is so cheap now that it doesn't care too much about that because you lose some of the diamonds during the cutting sure. process, but you can optimize that and all this. Are these artificially grown diamonds? Yeah. Yeah, yes, they okay, are completely yeah. artificial yeah. and they are today. The reason, and, and the interesting thing is why are the diamonds are so cheap? What is the reason why did they produce so many? That is for solar energy because in solar energy you have to cut all this ah, yeah. silicon. Silicon, yeah. And exactly the same will help us in doing the storage systems. Right. That is a... <laughs> Interesting, and and the and the and the kind of bottom area of the cylinder. Yeah, how do you there? I think the quality of the surface isn't that important, right? Yeah, the quality is not so. Yeah, it, it should be also mentioned. Uh, the point is, we are we are we have to be careful with the bottom area because the rock itself is so heavy. We are not allowed to cut out the whole cavern down there. A okay. 200 meter would be completely destroy everything. It would just fall down. It would just fall down. It, yeah, of it, course. It won't work. There are interesting large caverns in the Alps. You can go up to 50 meters, but okay. um, it's, nah, it's not so, it's not for us. What we are doing, we, we build some small tunnels, maybe five meter, a, a tunnel with two meter, and then five to 10 meters, and then the next tunnel. Yeah. And between the two tunnels, we have the rock. Yeah. And then we put the wires on and cut this. So you're cutting again. We you're cut not again. Exploding there. Yeah. But now we have to bring in a metal shield yeah. to uh, keep that in shape yeah. and that we can put the water between these two yeah. metal shields. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And then we have uh, and we have to do some sealing around but at the button line we cut it uh, with wire saws at the button between small tunnels. And the the investment costs are probably 
obviously not trivial, but I would imagine they're kind of similar to other large construction like a pumped hydro yeah, plant. So um, that's, a, a, of course, a big investigation what we are taking out. Uh, we are working with a big engineering company who has a lot of experience in underground construction mm -hmm. um, concerning a lot of tunnels and difficult situations. For example, the well-known Stuttgart railway station, new railway station, is done by the same engineering office. They are really experienced. Yeah. They have built uh, pumped hydro systems. They have built large Alp tunnels with yeah. about 20 kilometers long. And so, yeah. but uh, they, they know how to build large constructions yeah. concerning tunnels and precision and difficult stones and everything. Yeah. So, um, this company, we, we did an in detail study about what parts have to be done. Where do you have, how much concrete do you need? How much steel do you need? how much covering of surfaces, of uh, how expensive is the ceiling. It is actually very cheap. It's only 10%, 2% of the whole price. Oh, okay. mm -hmm. um, the machinery itself is quite a big, huge part, um, the pumps and uh, turbines. So we asked some large pumped hydro storage companies who, who are experienced in building these uh, pumps. They gave us interesting price notes. So we know about a quarter of our machine with pricing of an electromechanical machine. There are some tunnels and it should be mentioned the price itself depends on the local situation. Mm -hmm. So if the local situation, for example, has a very good granite, it's much cheaper than if it is very weak. So we don't have to cover such much concrete for the wall and uh, additional steel work and uh, stabilization work and so on. And if a situation is nice, then we can make tunnels instead of shafts. That's also helpful. Mm -hmm. If the situation is nice, we can have a water basin. We still need a small water basin uh, lower than the piston. If it's, a sh for example, it's a hill shape situation that it's brings another 30%. Why do we need the water basin for storing the water when it's not in the, in the, in, in the, the piston cave? Why does yeah. it have to, why does it have to be lower than the? Because the water is usually falling down and that loses energy. Oh, yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. It is, it's yeah. preferable to have the water as deep as it's the lower basin of a pumped hydro system in our case, but it's above the system. Yeah. So it is not uh, the best if you have a complete flat area. Yeah. But we have, I've learned from geology that if you want to look for good granite, you usually have some hills. Yeah. Uh, because between the hills, you have a riverbed. Yeah. And the flat area where you usually put the PV and that the side of this uh, riverbeds, that may be 100 meter, kilometer wide, yeah. uh, you have hills and they are usually rocky. And if you arrange that in the right way, you can optimize all that. And that's also true for your typical desert use case. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you, you do have the stable uh, granite kind yeah. of stones yeah. in the desert. And actually, we are doing that now in, in, in Saudi Arabia. We have found a site where exactly this situation matches Okay. So we have a granite. This was also already is a granite quarry where they already cut the rocks for commercial use. So they have a good idea how the granite is and it is really nice granite. And we have uh, large areas, uh, more or less dry desert and the water is coming from underground um, sources. That's not so difficult. And so, coming up with the price again, where is the price? The price is about 200 euro per kilowatt hour storage capacity. 
So to bring that in a in a way that people can understand, a kilowatt hour storage capacity is between 100 and 200. It depends a little bit on the shape and the yeah. size and all the details. And how does that compare with other storage? Because so, I can't put that number. Yeah, in yeah, context. exactly. So what? How to compare it? To compare it with um, today production of um, battery powered. Uh, grid scale storage system with all the infrastructure with the same calculation base it's about 800 mm -hmm. so it's about a quarter of that if you compare it with pumped hydro then you end up in an interesting mess because it's very hard to find fair numbers of pumped hydro systems they are usually built by states or by it, it's really hard to understand what they do but uh, the pumped hydro systems are in the range between 200 and 1000 Euro per kilowatt hour. But it is, um, so for, the last one in, in Switzerland was about, about thousand euro per kilowatt hour. But it depends on such a lot of things because you usually use it also for producing energy because you yeah. have a river situation. Right. Yeah, it's not then just storage. What part is for the storage? What yeah, part yeah, is yeah. for this? So a, a poor pumped hydro, there's the Goldestal case in Germany that was built after the, reunification of Germany it was already prepared by East Germany it was everything was in place and they start that they always tell it was a hundred euro per kilowatt hour but everything was already in place so it's so the investment uh, cost uh, was the lower. investment cost was very much lower yes yeah so it is it's, it's very difficult to find fair prices uh, but we are in this range of typical systems yeah and in a desert situation, you can't usually use this pumped hydro. That would be yeah. in the same price range. So you ask for batteries. Batteries are definitely more expensive. And so you have to find a solution. And there are more or less only batteries and this new type yeah. of pumped hydro. So going back to the requirements um, in terms of uh, geology, yeah. um, you said that there are these cases and you, you made it sound like, yeah, we gladly found a place in Saudi Arabia. So how rare are these circumstances? That you oh, need? yeah, that's a very good question. Um, we have gone in detail to that. We have gone to a large mining company or experts for mining and they had 120 drill holes all over the world for mining preparation. They were not exactly done for us. They were done for other reasons. This 120 are a statistical test of Earth's surface. Yeah. And so I asked them to analyze this boreholes against our requirements. Mm -hmm. And so we ended up with the following numbers. 40% of them were sufficient to build um, gravity storage and 3% of them were really perfect quality. Mm -hmm. So actually you end up that so. not all areas are perfect. You have to look a little bit around. And the interesting thing is um, this 3% sounds a little bit difficult because we really prefer this perfect granite but if you look into geology maps you usually if you walk around 100 or 200 kilometers you find one mm -hmm. so they are distributed fair around the world <laughs> so it's a little bit like um storage of of, of uh, burnt nuclear fuel um there is probably places that are stable enough everywhere but these are specific places yeah. and so if you get resistance from people or whatever there then it's very hard to move to the next village right yeah, yeah. so in that sense it might be a constraint yeah it, it is um it is some constraint but if we imagine this um for example large pv power plants yeah and the connection line to it we are talking about areas beyond 100 kilometer 
And so in typical areas we have looked around, we always find that. For okay. example, we have now the Neom city in Saudi Arabia, which should be this new, completely renewable energy-powered city, uh, the Red Sea, um, with a very large invest of 500 billions and so on. And then we had to look around, what's a fast? Can we do it? And then we have gone around that um, and we have found definitely a good rocket material. Okay. We did the same in California. We had a specific study also by this company, mining company, and they also found that within 50 kilometers we found a good okay. site. Okay. So you usually don't start exactly drilling where you are, but yeah. you have to look a little bit around. Okay. So what are the limits in terms of size? You said you, if I remember correctly, you said you got, went from about a kilometer diameter to two, three hundred meters. Yeah. I think you said because of the pressures? Yeah. The, in the moment, um, the limitations are in the pressure. And that's because of the pumps or because of the seal? Both. Um, so pumps, the head of a typical pumped hydro is 500 to 700 meter. Yeah. And so that speaks to 50 to 70 bars. Yeah. So if you want to do a right. 200 bar pump, no one will sell it. They, they can do it, but it's very expensive. Yeah. So that is the one limitation about the depth of the system. Yeah. And the width of the system is more or less not so strongly right, restricted. Because pressure only depends on the depth. Yeah. 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 So we can, we can make the radius larger, yeah, yeah. but it's mm -hmm. still the same depth. And so at, If we do it large enough, it's a pancake, more or less. No, yeah, it's yeah. not really, but it's <laughs> yeah, a, like a cake. Yeah. Um, and we have looked into that, but then the question is, um, is the quality of the rock over a large right. area so stable? And typically, this rock, if you walk a kilometer, then yeah, changes yeah. typically. And also, if the system gets too large, it is not managing to the grid lines and all that. You right. Because we are standard is one gigawatt grid line and so eight hour storage and so you end up always with these numbers. Yeah. And so it may be easier to build a second one or right, right, better, right. better place. Yeah. Although then your construction costs uh, R squared and yeah. R to the fourth yeah. power don't quite work that yeah. nicely, right? Not if you build two of them that are smaller than yeah yeah yeah, yeah that, that what, uh, yeah. so that had to be in in, in special circumstances yeah. it had to be looked at and the and the delta in height that you can lift I mean how far out can you lift the cylinder because I don't know before it falls <laughs> over or whatever the stability criteria <laughs> yeah, is there yeah so um, we have also learned a lot in the last years um, the first idea was that we put the ceiling at the top or in the upper layer yeah so that it is in a complete swimming situation right. um, that is not preferable have we have learned because the, the pressure and the delta pressure because you have pressure and no pressure in the ceiling area is changing about 70 bars of course because mm. sometimes you have that and that the rock might not be competent enough to do that at the surface mm -hmm. so we did computer simulations about that and we have learned go deep with your ceiling and now we do it in the lower part Mm -hmm. So in 300 meter deep or 250 meter deep, yeah. there the rock is much more competent because the overburden of rock in the area is yeah. much higher. And uh, the original pressure down there is also the same uh, by, yeah. by, by law. Yeah. So you have to keep the um, piston in direction. Yeah. And then you have to think about the moments that are there. And then you end up that you lift it about one third of the heights you have the piston has okay 
that's for some mechanical reasons, um, also some design reasons and um, for pressure reasons. I was thinking about another kind of synergy, like uh, putting this whole thing under the city of Ulm, because yeah. then you <laughs> can lift it over the fog that is there yeah. all, all autumn. <laughs> But yeah. it's probably not high enough. <laughs> yeah, it, it, a typical discussion is always to put your golf court on top or not. Right. Uh, <laughs> right. <laughs> is, uh, yeah, it might be an interesting Why wouldn't idea. you? Uh, it, actually, it, uh, I would if someone's interested in this um, real <laughs> yeah. estate. Yeah. It's a uh, four-hectare real estate. Yeah. Um, it is not difficult to have a lift at the side. Sure. Uh, that's yeah. all easy to be done. And it would be really an interesting place. Actually... If we can do that, we have moved the largest amount of material that humankind ever had. Uh -huh. It was never been something moved at that weight. Oh, you don't mean the the amount of uh, stone removed to build it, but the no. actual delta L yes, mass? Yes, because we lift right. a mass of about 10 million yeah. tons. Yeah. And if you look for the very large ships, yeah. that are usually the range of 500,000 tons, not yeah. millions, yeah. and uh, some very other cases... There have been talks about moving ice mountains. Uh, yeah. But this would be really the largest piece of material that is moved, but controlled moved by humans. Yeah. Yeah. Controlled moved. It yeah. should be mentioned that there is uncontrolled move in much larger possible. Like explosions. Like explosions. Even the Romans did uh, move about 100 million tons of material in Spain by uh, some very interesting water uh, techniques. <laughs> for the, gold the, mining the, the fact that you know this and that you probably researched that yeah. uh, means that you have spent quite a bit of time in terms of how you would market this like the biggest <laughs> mass because how do you know this yeah. otherwise um, of course if you if you, your topic is this new technology yeah, and yeah. you know um, just everything is unknown and you have to research so yeah, you yeah. go in all the sure. questions you yeah. understand a little bit about mining I have gone to many conferences about mining yeah. I've gone to go conferences about water yeah Uh, energy about solar energy about I have seen at least a hundred conferences in the last eight years yeah and discussed with a lot of people and of course read a lot of stuff and so I'm quite aware of what's going on in this area and what's possible what's not possible I wanted to ask this at the end but we can do it now and then close with something else how do you I mean at some point you had this idea right yeah and I mean I know that From myself, I mean, you have ideas, and some of them are crazy. But so, and you you think about it, oh, kind of neat, and then you move on to, and do something else. Yeah. I mean, how do you go from this, at least initially crazy sounding idea, to uh, following up on this seriously? What what's, what's your, what was your process? So, so the, the process uh, first, of course, I had the initial idea. The first thing was I calculated this stuff. Mm. My background of physics gives me really easy to do the calculations. Yeah. So you did that on your own? I did that on my own, yeah. absolutely. So that is very helpful because I have an engineering degree and I have this physics degree. And so I, I, I know how to do the calculations and all these ideas. Yeah. So then ask experts if your calculations are right. So, so just call them. Yeah, call them or meet them. Yeah, yeah. if you have friends in this area. Yeah. And, and then they say, yes, okay, it seems okay. Your calculations are okay. And then... Uh, after, for example, filing a patent, then you yeah. present that to the public in as much places as possible. Put posters in exhibitions, uh, cheap part, because you can put a poster session. It's not a yeah, big problem. Yeah, yeah. And so you discuss with scientists. And so a lot of scientists flocked to my poster and asked me, really, that sounds very interesting. Can we do that? Uh, and then that was the moment Then I learned, okay, I should get serious with this idea. 
at that moment of a post it was not completely serious yeah um and then you require money definitely mm -hmm. yeah. to do all this research uh, yeah. you to can't do studies. that on your, yeah, it is, yeah. you require money yeah. and then you have to find venture capital and that was the way i did i have gone to different areas where you ask for venture capital there are people who know the rich people and you talk to them and some of them think that's a really interesting idea i have one of these rich who may, might be interested and after one year of searching for money actually i found one um, it's Hartigi Ventures, a private-owned um, venture uh, money company, and they gave me a first amount of money, and they said, "Please give this money to a company that checks if this can be true." Right. And Sanity so, check. Yeah. So they did yeah. a real check, which was quite an expensive thing—half a million, something mm -hmm. like that—to wow. mm -hmm. um, really clear if it can be done and mm -hmm. how expensive it would be. Did, did some of your changes in terms of size and the way you seal did that did those come up during that time? Uh, of course, yeah, yeah. yeah. All yeah. all the things were all came from discussions, right? Yeah, and so you have to imagine. I gave uh, maybe a hundred talks, and always people <laughs> ask me questions, and yeah, some yeah. people are really smart and say, yeah. "How do you solve that problem?" Yeah, and so you think, "Yeah, okay, we can do that, but we have to be a little bit more precise on that." And then you write down business plans, and you have to write down everything in detail. Yeah. And writing down things in detail is very interesting. And then, uh, actually, I had a very good engineer coming to me, flocking to me, and said, can I work in this project? Mm -hmm. And it's uh, just a genius, this guy. And uh, he did a lot of engineering details. We, had, uh, we have hundreds of uh, drawings for all the details. And then we had this money... And then when you get a little bit more money, and then we go to the international conferences, and then you go to the large exhibitions. And then you look for customers. Because then the question is, will anyone buy that stuff? Yeah. And so we have, for example, we have gone three times to Abu Dhabi. Abu Dhabi has the World Energy Conference. There are all the big guys, the big oil companies, and all the big Chinese um, solar companies and we had a booth and a bigger booth and a much bigger booth <laughs> <And> <laughs> after three years and then we really asked it from one of these big infrastructure companies can we do a contract with you that we have a license for that for Saudi Arabia and so and then we did that and now we are we will to build the first demonstrator a first um, a small scale for showing that this really works small means small means 20 meter diameter right um, 30 meter deep, um, but we can test the high pressure regime already. We, because we have a very good granite. Mm -hmm. And so we can go up to seven. Hopefully we, we have to test it. Yeah. Uh, but that is uh, working. And then you are, then you, people really call you and ask, can you give us a talk? Can you give us more ideas about that? And so that was, for example, the thing I just was in yeah. Mongolia and the Asian conference. Because they are interested in this. So the status of this is the engineering is done to the degree you can do it without actually building something. Yeah. And yeah. now there is the first prototype being started to yes, be built, yes, I yes. guess. So yes, exactly. So okay. we, we start that hopefully in the next few months. And within one year, it will be completed. That's getting much faster than a large one. And mm -hmm. we, we are already looking for contracts for full scale. Mm -hmm. Because we have to prepare that if in the case that it works <laughs> then we are already in, ready to in, go ready to go yeah did you use any 
like a formal invention process to come up with alternative ideas? For example, you talked about this step, which was like one of the uh, key insights. Yep. Did you do, I don't know, design thinking or something like that? No, absolutely no. Okay. The, 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 <laughs> the really thing is, um, I'm, I'm an inventor since I can imagine. I started my, trying to my first patents. I was maybe 15 years old. Um, and I did, some patents in all different areas in optics and I even invented uh, artificial ice um, and artificial glaciers <laughs> that mm -hmm. was very famous okay and so the reason why I do can do that is because I read really in very different areas scientific articles right. Right. I'm not right. the expert who knows everything about microscopy that was yeah. my PhD yeah. um, I read in as further away it is from my knowledge I say I can suck much more out of that yeah, yeah, yeah. because I don't know that and so I like to listen to podcasts <laughs> about very different scientific and engineering stuff and that gives me the background to have new ideas yeah and, and then you just shower for two hours and hope that you have a yes, great idea yes typically I lie late in the evening when I'm in bed I'm yeah. thinking about that was a big problem yeah, how okay. can we shuffle yeah. that back and forth yeah. and then Yeah. Also, I, and something again. When when I saw this first, I thought, well, looks crazy. But on the other hand, I was just uh, in southern France visiting Eater again. Oh. And uh, of course, in in every dimension, it's it's much more crazy if you think about it. I it mean, is. it's bigger, it's yeah. more expensive. Yeah. Okay. To be honest, if it works, it has probably also more impact. But still, I mean, what you're proposing uh, isn't. I mean, how should I? I mean, there's lots of details, of course, but It's if you really think about the ingredients. I mean, you need pumps, you need uh, stone work, yeah. you need the seal, and then of course you need money. But yeah. it's it's not like rocket science style technology. Absolutely. So all technologies are today available. That's yeah. very different to ITER. Exactly. ITER has some real problems in magnetic fields, in surface. I, I worked exactly in plasma physics in Garching. Oh, yeah. mm -hmm. So I have some background. So yeah. I, <laughs> I know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Um, so you have not solved all the problems. Yeah. And that is different to our system. There yeah. is no point where you say that is a real showstop. It was at the beginning at the ceiling. It yeah. was. And we are still working in details of the ceiling because it's not really easy to implement that, but there is no point where we have seen, we have, we have, we have to tests up to 160 bars in the lab that we can show that this material is stable enough. Um, the details are always a little bit tricky, yeah. but it is not out of reach of known engineering. Yeah. So you don't have to invent a new superconductor or a new, Uh, shielding or whatever that yeah. is very helpful otherwise there would be no chance with this small budget we have to go that far yeah yeah so to slowly conclude um, coming back what are the what maintenance do you envision has to happen on this thing yeah I mean, the seal i would guess yes yeah. Something. Yeah, there, there, there are some maintenance questions so first is the machinery is just okay, not yeah. a big issue it's maybe 50 years To come back to the ceiling, it is the material we use is conveyor belts. That right. conveyor belts are used in mining industry very heavily. They are usually in the UV, so they, they are destroyed by yep. sunshine. They pour heavy rocks on it and they run with about seven meter per second. So we are in the dark. <laughs> <laughs> we move with seven millimeter per second. 
And um, so in, in mining cases, they run up to five years, 10 years. So it should run long, but there should be mentioned we have pressurized water. That is not the nicest thing to have. And so it may be that after 10 years, um, it wears out. So you would have to move Replace all the water it. out, set the thing down, yes, put engineers yes, down there, yeah. exchange, okay. And actually, that happens in, in, in typical systems like that. There's a pumped hydro also. You yeah. release the water and you have maintenance after, yeah. after two years, after five years, ten sure. years. So And so uh, we have to, maybe we have to replace after ten years the uh, ceiling. That is absolutely possible because we, if we can install it, we can remove it. Yeah. And uh, also for other things, for the sealing of the walls against the rock right. that have to be checked. We will have a free layer seal, white, red, white. So if we see the red, we know, oh, we have trouble. And if we see the white again, then we really have to handle that. Um, so there are also experts here who can do that. We have met some crazy guys who can do really strange things. Um, yeah, for example, sealing large water depots in the underground of Saudi Arabia for water or for oil. They are real large oil converts. Yeah. One of these guys will help us and <laughs> hey, they can do that. So there is some maintenance, but it is very low compared, for example, to batteries where you have to exchange yeah, yeah. some of the sure. batteries every yeah, two yeah, years. Yeah, and yeah, so. yeah, yeah. It is, um, so for CapEx, as the money people call it, operation cost, yeah. uh, is very low, yeah. So what's the limit in lifetime? Actually, There is not a limit in the typical lifetime for humans because rock stays stable over millions of years as long as you don't put glaciers on top of it. <laughs> <laughs> And yeah. so within this scale, we have only the limits of electric moving machinery that will be exchanged after 50 years. Yeah, that years. can be exchanged. But tunnels typically today are built for 80 years and we know Greek tunnels that exist since 2000 years and you still can walk through those tunnels so it seems that there is no limitation this way and it should be mentioned that it's also a very sustainable thing because you don't generate any waste we have no chemicals here not like batteries where you have a lot of different chemicals And neither during the production process, because it's only using yeah. a little bit of energy to cut this rock and a little bit of diamonds, um, you don't generate waste. The only waste is um, granite rock that yeah. you really can sell. Which isn't waste, yeah. Yeah. And it's not waste at all. And then we use some concrete and some steel, and that's it in the system. And so the steel material is rubber. That is also environmentally friendly material. You have it on your wheels, on your car. Yeah, It's not perfect, but it's we don't yeah. uh, like driving. We don't yeah. reuse it that <laughs> We don't get generate feinstaub here. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so that is one of the big things. It is a very sustainable solution for a long-term renewable uh, future. That means if you combine a PV... That is also very long. Maybe you have some generations, but yeah. then 80% maybe only after 20, 30 years. And we put this storage beside that. We have a system that may run 100 years without running costs or with very small running costs. And that is the interesting thing. So what's the catch? The, the, the catch is that it comes only in big size. If we want to have a system that is commercially useful, you have to invest about 300 millions. Mm -hmm. And to find people who invest 300 millions in a technology that was not tested by someone else in this scale, 
it's very hard. Okay. That's, it's a little bit like Zeppelin. Building a Zeppelin was only possible in very large scale. Okay, there was Mr. Zeppelin who yeah. uh, had the money and did, did that. So we are looking for someone who <laughs> does that for us. But then, I mean, 300 million investment cost for a uh, for something that is part of the grid isn't in itself a problem. The it problem, is, no, the no, problem no. is only because it hasn't been done before. Yeah, it's that's like a, the first 300 yes, million. Yes, yes, it's, it's it's only the first. The first is for real, for real hot stuff. Thing that's the catch. Yeah. So you have to find someone who really spends four hundred million for a project that is not a hundred percent safe. You can run in some troubles, whatever it is. Yeah. Um, although you can do the engineering like a railway station, but you you may run sometimes a little bit out of cost. But yeah, um, yeah you can do it. But but that's the biggest catch we have felt in all our discussions. The people mm -hmm. always ask, if you show us one, we buy one. That's no tap. Absolutely no problem. I, right. I would have sold already 10 of them if I would have one of them. Mm -hmm. That's definitely the case. Mm -hmm. Two more questions. Uh, one, uh, I forgot to ask that before. The cylinder that moves up in town, yeah. is that somehow stabilized? Are there like little wheels or yeah. rollers? Yes, that, yes. Okay. Yeah, there, there are wheels at the top and right. in the middle. Okay. Um, the question is about the forces. So there's one thing. We balance that very precise Yeah, by so it shouldn't tanks. lean. Yeah, yeah, we have tanks in the top. Oh, yeah, okay. And you have balancing right. tanks. Right. And the only force that is then critical is wind. Right. Um, and so if we know there is a wind field coming, we are pumping water in the one end of the top. Yeah. So that we already can have a pre-balancing. Uh, and then we have the wheels. And these wheels um, are more or less the same as in a terrain. So mm -hmm. uh, there are uh, right. steel riders and you, you can bring forces of 100 tons um, and we have a lot of them around. Mm -hmm. um, so they manage that forces. The forces aren't really that large. We have calculated up to 180 kilometer fast wind. And if you know there is a hurricane coming, you just you, shut it down. We, we shut it down. Yeah. yeah. How, how long, how fast can you lower the cylinder? Like um, Actually, that is, depends on the valves you install. So usually you do it in eight hours, but there's no reason why not to do that in half an hour. You could do that. Yeah, okay. we could do that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because you don't have these problems of uh, too much delta pressure in the long wells, we just. No, no, no. Oh, it's also many yeah, issues. Yeah, but, but if we, yeah. we, we would then not run the water over the turbines, we would run a shortcut yeah. uh, that is going directly right. to the pond yeah. and that works. Interestingly, if the question is the other way around, uh, what's about happening if the ceiling has a defect? Yeah. So if the ceiling has a hole, a 20 centimeter hole, that is the largest we can imagine simply, um, then it will go just in the same speed down as with the turbines. Really? <laughs> Actually, that's interesting calculation, yes. Okay. So the pipe that goes to the turbine is only roughly also about 20 No, 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 that's wider, that's wider. So why then? Yeah. Uh, but it is, um, it, there's no resistance on the other side. You don't. Uh, okay, yeah. Yeah. Right. So right, right, right. Yeah. 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 The, the pipes are not, uh, by the way, they are maybe two meters, so it's not, not yeah. so wide, but... Yeah. Um, and the interesting thing, if it's rolling down, then after one meter it is closing again because then new right. material is coming yeah. in and it it won't go completely down. That would be not the case. But yeah. we have also looked into this worst yeah. case. It was interesting because some people ask it about what's a terrorist attack to this. Oh, right. Yeah, people really ask that. And uh, so if you throw a bomb down there, if you are able to go in the slit or whatever, then 
there won't be a little big disaster. The water would flow into the Alpha Basin. That's it. Mm. <laughs> not not a very interesting target. Yeah. But yeah. The, we had the question, what is happening after a war with this? And we can say you can install it after the, the ceiling is redone. You can reuse this installation just within three months again. Mm-hmm. Because there is not a big damage. I can imagine where this question came, come, <laughs> came from. <laughs> yeah. Yes. So, but it, it is for some, if you have in a country, you invest in large of scale course. infrastructure, you always ask how stable is this infrastructure against uh, situations like that. Yeah. And the reason, of course, why you want to use railway style wheels that have very little resistance is because of course that would be lost right if you had like tires car tires which have a lot of uh, uh, car tires can't uh, okay that's one thing forces, but but yeah. you, but you want to make sure that this drag doesn't uh, no this drag is not a problem not we, a problem. we are also look for uh, wheels of um forklifts mm-hmm. forklifts have very good wheels in front oh, yeah. mm-hmm. and they are just suitable we, we actually have we work together with a company for forklift wheels <laughs> <laughs> yeah that Yeah, if you're all here in, in around Stuttgart, you find all this uh, yeah. <laughs> specialized companies. Right. Yeah. Did you see, by the way, that there was something when I when I uh, mentioned on the web that we'll be talking. Somebody sent me this uh, picture ah, yeah, yeah. of this crane. So yep. they have one of these uh, building construction yep. cranes, yep. and it's of course electrically powered. Yep. And what they do is they just take a bunch of uh, concrete, yeah, of, of concrete, uh, yep. essentially yep. build a concrete tower, yep. and of yep. course use yep. energy. And when yep. they then want to get energy again, they just yep. let it roll down and use a generator. I thought this that was is kind of funny. a widely, widely thing. Um, that are because I receive all these mails with this of ideas course. like yeah. that. <laughs> right. Yeah, <laughs> and. There, there are many ideas about using graffiti to store energy. Uh, the, the, the best of them is usually to use deep mine shafts with a thousand meter and right. lift stuff up and down there. Yeah. Uh, actually, what happens, not the weight itself is a big problem. It is because if you use concrete, it's quite expensive. Um, the wire is fit. Exactly, because stuff. that adds to the... Yeah, yeah. That, and that adds... And that the problem with elevators. Yeah, the problem with elevators, you have to exchange them and they are not very long-term stable. Yeah. And so that makes your case bad. And the other case is to have railways going up a hill. Yeah. And so I did the calculation for the Geislinger Steige. Yeah. Uh, because it will be not any longer used and right. to uh, store the containers down and f- bring them up to the Swabian Alp. Yeah. And if you do that and do all the calculations, you earn about 500,000 euro uh, per year. Okay. It's not sufficient to even buy the, the locomotive. And uh, beside that, you have to manage the, the tracks, you have to yeah, manage yeah. containers, you have to manage a lot of other stuff. Yeah. But um, so moving with mechanical ideas is never really long-term work. Ah, so the key is the hydro here. The key is the hydro because water itself is a really nice thing, and so hydraulic things work. And I even have looked why, in. Why is that? Uh, because water, you can't destroy water. Uh, water okay. is undestroyable. Mm-hmm. Every wheel will wear out. Water right. won't wear out. Yeah. And um, mm-hmm. the surfaces can be sealed for real long term. Yeah. With uh, yeah, mid metal or glass or whatever. And so there's water doesn't wear out. Mm-hmm. And the water is the moving part. Mm-hmm. Okay for turbines, but that's managed in the right um, yeah. cavation. It's, it's also a well-known uh, issue. Well-known issue. Yeah. Um, but when the moment when you start to use wires, to use mm. lifts, to to pick up material, and it's the cheapest material. So 
the other thing in this um, uh, thing with concrete moving up and down is the concrete itself. Yeah, yeah. Concrete, but you could you could use a steel box. I mean, you can use a steel, but the steel box itself is not free. The, yeah, true. The, whenever you yeah. have a ton of material, even if you cut it, if you have a a, a, a simple caterpillar and you put up one ton, it's already five dollars you have to pay. Mm-hmm. And so you end up that all these ideas are not possible. The only way is here because we don't touch for 10 million tons. Yeah. That's the reason it works. Yeah. So is this more or less your main uh, job activity right now? I mean, how does this idea compare to your four other companies slash your <laughs> professor <laughs> okay. job? Uh, so my professor job is in moment a half time. So I mm-hmm. still give lectures. Yeah. Uh, so in one month, so we are starting again. Yeah. Um, it's e-business technology and math. I usually give a math lecture and an innovation lecture about innovations, how to make innovations. And um, the other companies, okay, I'm in the board. So uh, so they do still exist. They didn't like bad ideas shut down. Um, yeah, if, if a button line, they all exist. Two have gone to others and two are owned by me, myself okay. still. But for all these ideas are still alive. Mm-hmm. But you spend most of your time on gravity storage these days. Uh, yes, that's true. Okay. Yeah, yeah near for professorship, that's also. Yeah. Well, it's only three uh, months. Actually, I have, a, I have a manager <laughs> in my company who does all this um, work. And so I do only the design ideas and give the talks. But um, mm-hmm. the, the daily work is uh, not, not actually, I'm not involved okay. in that. So. All right. Okay. What did I forget to ask? But if I get to ask, if, um, if you need it in Germany, <laughs> usually the question. And um, why no one build that? But yeah, I think we, we gave this, uh, I gave yeah. answers because it's so expensive. But but uh, you you do expect it will be built, if it, if, if it ever will be built. I mean, you talked about the challenge yeah, of yeah. getting it adopted. Uh, this will be... Most likely not done around the corner here. No, most likely not around the corner because we are in a very uh, tight grid already. It will be done in the areas where the large PV is coming up. Right. Where this daily sun cycle right. okay. has to be managed. Yeah. And that is very critical. And so that's the first business case yeah. and then other business cases will follow. Yeah, yeah. But there's always a first most interesting business case. Of course. All right. Thank you very much. Yeah, thank you. All right, so that's it. Um, and <clears throat> because of my voice, I'll keep it short this time here. Um, thank you very much, Edward, for taking the time, for uh, letting us in into this. Um, when I looked at it first, it, it looked rather weird, um, the idea, but um, makes a lot of sense as far as I can tell after our discussion here. So thank you very much. Hope everybody else enjoyed it. And uh, of course, give us feedback as usual. And uh, I'll go back to not saying anything and resting my voice. Talk to you in about two weeks. Ciao. Hello, Markus here for Omega Tau. Omega Tau is an independent and non-commercial podcast produced by Nora Ludwig and me, Markus Fötter. We are on the web at omegataupodcast.net. You can also find us on Facebook, Google+, and Twitter under the handle omegataupodcast. We love to hear from you through a comment on the website, a post via our social network channels, or via an email at feedback at omegataupodcast.net. 
We also always appreciate recommendations of Omega Tau to your friends directly or through social media. Omega Tau is licensed under the Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial Non-Derivative License 3.0. This means that you can freely share the content, but you cannot use it for commercial purposes and you cannot distribute derivative works. You always have to attribute the source omegataupodcast.net. Any quotations or citations of our work are perfectly fine, of course. For more details on the license, see creativecommons.org. Thank you for listening to this episode of our podcast and talk to you next time.